This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. Now, Fight Back with Libby Snymer on Zoomer Radio. Good afternoon and welcome. It's uh, the afternoon after, and we're seeing the worst possible outcome, at least from our point of view, and that is no outcome. According to the New York Times, just in the seven states that will decide the presidential race are still too close call. Millions of votes still need to be counted in those key states. Many of these are mail-in ballots, the ballots President Trump has been calling fraudulent. He repeated that claim last night and prematurely claimed victory in the wee hours. This is a major fraud in our nation. We want the law to be used in a proper manner. So we'll be going to the U.S. Supreme Court We want all voting to stop. It's not my place or Donald Trump's place to declare who's won this election. That's the decision of the American people. But I'm optimistic about this outcome. That, of course, was the Democratic candidate, Joe Biden. In the run-up to the election, the polls had him winning decisively, and obviously that call was wrong. The question is, what happens now? Lawyers are standing by. The president is talking about taking this to the Supreme Court, even though that is not up to him. And uh, the big question is, when can we expect a result, whether it ends up being challenged or not? If you'd like to weigh in, the numbers 416-360-0740, toll-free 1-866-744-740. Right now, let us go to our panel of American experts. Larry Haas is a former White House communications strategist who worked for Al Gore. He's a senior fellow at the American Foreign Policy Council. Dr. Melissa Miller is a professor of political science at Bowling Green State University. And Matt Tyrrell is a Republican strategist and partner at Firehouse Strategies. And he is the former chief of staff to Marco Rubio's campaign for president. Hello, everyone. Great to be here. Okay, let us begin with Dr. Miller. Um, What do you think of what we're seeing now? Are you surprised? In many ways, this is exactly what was anticipated because this was going to be such a close race and because it was all going to come down to Michigan, Wisconsin, and Pennsylvania. Um, Add in Arizona, Georgia, North Carolina. So add in a few Sunbelt states. And we, we rather expected that it would take a few days to get the outcome. And that is what we are living right now. Okay, uh, Larry Haas, you know, I'm remembering uh, up until just a few weeks ago, that's what everyone was saying. It was going to take a long time. And then suddenly, all these polls were showing, a, you know, a, practically a landslide for the Democrats. Uh, how, how did pollsters get it so wrong? Well, two separate points. And then to your question, um, the fact that it may take a few days didn't necessarily mean that in the end it wouldn't be a landslide. 
Uh, we always knew that Pennsylvania was not going to begin counting its mail ballots until uh, the voting was over. So we knew Pennsylvania was going to take a little while. We knew other states were going to be slow as well. To your question about the pollsters, uh, I think uh, all the mainstream pollsters in America right now are shaking their heads and wondering what in the world is going on. Because if you looked at the polls, it wasn't just the state-by-state polls, but it was also the question of demographics. Suburban women were going to flee Trump, and they may very well have. Uh, whites in general were going to flee Trump, and they may, and they very well may have. Great turnout among African Americans. But in the end, is there something going on that they missed, or is it the case that Donald Trump just managed to bring out oodles of people in his own fairly narrow constituency? And I don't know that we know the answer to that question yet, but uh, yes, I think many people are quite surprised that in a race in which the national polls consistently showed a gap of about seven to eight points over the course of a year and growing gaps in, you know, Wisconsin, uh, Michigan, uh, and some of these other key states that the fact that we have another nail biter on our hands is undoubtedly a big surprise to most people who have been watching this closely. Matt Tyrrell, uh, among other things, uh, I think there's evidence that uh, Trump did okay with Latino men and also with black men, which sounds very surprising to me. Sure. Well, we saw that President Trump was making inroads in key demographics. And just looking at the results from last night, we look at key states and key counties within those states, such as Florida, for example, Miami-Dade County. It appears that Vice President Biden underperformed there. So, look, the bottom line is President Trump, for all the talk of this being a a blowout election for Vice President Biden that many people did in fact predict. He was able to make inroads, able to pick up key swing states that he would have to win in order to get the 270 electoral votes. But at the end of the day, we're looking at this race likely going back to where it was four years ago in Wisconsin, Michigan, and Pennsylvania. Four years ago, we saw roughly less than 80,000 voters in those three states decide the outcome four years ago. In states like Pennsylvania and Michigan, maybe we'll decide this race. Uh, this time around as well. Uh, let me ask you another thing about Florida and the older demographic, because one of the things that we kept hearing and the older demographic, the senior vote is, is key in Florida, was that they would turn against Trump because of his handling of the coronavirus. But it, it doesn't look like that happened. How do you explain that? Well, I think it should take some time to unpack the, the polling and the actual results and compare and contrast to pull into the real actual results of this race. But in addition to COVID-19 being key in this race and many arguing that that may potentially hurt President Trump among seniors, there are other key issues at play as well, such as jobs in the economy. And I believe that that key issue, which the president tends to perform better on with voters uh, in all different demographics, appear to play well for him in many of these key battleground states and very well could be uh, the issue that will get him across the finish line if he were to perform well in Pennsylvania and Michigan. So this race certainly was about COVID-19. That's a big issue, of course, as it should have been in this race. But right up next to it was jobs in the economy. And President Trump really worked in those final days to hammer home that messaging, a message that, that played well for him four years ago among many different demographics. And we'll see the final outcome here in the, the final states that matter. 
Larry Haas, did the Democrat did the Democrats ignore the economy? Did they focus too much on the pandemic? Well, you know, it's not that easy to separate one from the other. And I think that their overall message was because of this gross mismanagement of the pandemic, not only are millions of Americans uh, needlessly endangered, and not only do we have higher numbers of deaths uh, to a great extent uh, than we otherwise would have had to have had, uh, but because we can't get control of the pandemic, people are suffering because stores can't open, businesses can't open, people can't go back to work. So they try to weave that together into an overall narrative. Um, I do take the point, however, that President Trump was very effective in arguing that up to the point of the pandemic, the economy was doing well, and I am the person who can restore this great economic growth. And it was that narrative uh, was uh, one that President, that, excuse me, Vice President Biden, you know, chipped away at, but never fully got control of. Normally an incumbent at a time of such a deep economic downturn really would be toast in an, in, in an election. I mean, numerous predecessors of the you know, 20th century. So it's still a little bit mysterious that President Trump was able to thread this needle and ride an economic message at a time of deep economic distress. Dr. Miller, how do you see that? Well, I was just going to add another dimension to this. Ohio, where I am sitting right now, um, actually had a result, and that state was called early. It has historically been a battleground state after um, now two back-to-back wins for Trump by about eight points in 2016 and 2020. It looks like Ohio may be turning red. I've looked at those exit polls, and I wanted to just say a few things. I think that the partisan divide in this country is enormous. It has widened over the last four years. But I also think that the urban-rural divide has widened over the last four years. And if we look at the Ohio exit polls, and let's just use Ohio kind of as a stand-in for uh, Michigan, Wisconsin, Pennsylvania, where, you know, we, we share many characteristics. Donald Trump won rural voters by 72 percent. Joe Biden, urban voters, by 62 percent. So I think the one missing piece, I think, so far in our discussion is just to drive home how solidly behind the president rural America is. They feel he speaks to them. If you look at Ohio, Donald Trump also narrowly won the suburbs by 52 percent. And and so, you know, that that feels a victory in Ohio for him. And incidentally, to an earlier point, the polls were too close to call in Ohio. Uh, before this, and yet President Trump won it by unofficially about eight points. So a lot of soul searching needs to happen among the pollsters. Uh, yeah, and uh, you, you're dividing it by uh, rural versus urban and the suburbs, but um, most of the time we hear it broken down by class as a working class uh, or people without college educations are for Trump and uh, the other for Biden. Is uh, is that not a good way to break it down, Dr. Miller? No, I think that's also, I mean, we have so many different, I think, important fissures, if you will. Um, Donald Trump 
this is, this is interesting. Donald Trump in the Ohio exit polls won those without a college degree by 58%. Joe Biden won college graduates by 58%. In oh, the Ohio really? electorate, it appears, though, that those without a college degree made up a bigger proportion of the electorate. And so that was helpful to the president in the state of Ohio as well. So lots of different overlapping fissures. Um, but, but we'll see as the, the last states do get called. I think it will take several days. Uh, but it, it's just so interesting. I think Joe Biden could still win it. Um, either way, the party that loses, the candidate that loses, there will probably be an autopsy over this one, whichever side ends up losing. Okay, well, never mind an, an autopsy or a debrief or whatever. Uh, Matt Tyrrell, I mean, people here looking at this are wondering if there's going to be violence as a result. Well, I sure hope not. And what we're seeing right now is hopefully, regardless of who wins, a peaceful movement forward. I think it's important for people to remember that, look, it's regardless of the candidates say in this race, at the end of the day, the states certify the results. And so we need to let this process play out, do so in a peaceful fashion, and ensure we allow the states to take their time to ensure that every vote is counted and counted accurately, because ultimately the states will be the one to certify the results. We certainly need to allow it to play itself out, and sure we do that in a peaceful manner. Larry Haas, you worked for Al Gore, and of course he was at the center of the the hanging Chad election, the other one that was decided in the courts. Are you expecting that to happen this time around? Uh, Actually, I'm not. There needs to be a basis for the Supreme Court to step in. Courts in general, federal courts in particular, and the Supreme Court ultimately, uh, try to, or actually let me say it a different way, um, uh, would rather not historically get involved in the running of elections, which are done at the state and county level. So there needs to be a case needs to get up to the court and there needs to be an issue before the court uh, that would argue that somehow the Supreme Court ought to take an extraordinary step and get involved uh, uh Instead of letting the normal process play out with states, as you just heard, certifying election results. Now, I'm not saying the court, you know, you could get an emergency situation where, you know, something is sent up to the Supreme Court. uh, But I could easily see if there's no basis for it, the the court simply refusing to take it or uh, dismissing it, you know, rather summarily. I would actually hope for that, no matter what the result is. I would hope for that because we benefit from the fact that we've got, you know, state certifying on a state by state basis uh, after nonpartisan, very professional, I might point out, uh, officials. And I witnessed a lot of this yesterday. I was a poll watcher uh, in Maryland uh, are working, you know, seriously, assiduously um, to make sure that they get it right. And I think we benefit from the from letting that process play out to the end, which is what state officials are around the country where they haven't finished are arguing. Now, I heard that some Republican lawyers are preparing an argument that goes something like this, that the states that mandated that there can be extra time to get uh, or to count the mail-in ballots had no right to do that. 
and therefore those ballots counted uh, after yesterday should be disqualified. Uh, are any of you familiar with that? And and how would a uh, how would an argument like that play? Who wants to take that? Well, if I could just say very briefly, and then I'll let my colleagues um, weigh in. Uh, that argument has already gone up to the court, and it was dismissed. Uh, it had to do with Pennsylvania, Pennsylvania allowing three days for there to be the counting of ballots. The counting of ballots after the polls close, whether it is in-person voting uh, that's been registered or ballots that have been come in through the mail, there is no distinction, and there's absolutely nothing to the argument that somehow there's any nefar- anything nefarious going on with, with regard to counting these votes. They are simply counting the votes. Uh, by the way, just moments ago, according to the New York Times, uh, uh, Biden has won Maine. That's six electoral college votes. And as close as this is, um, you know, every every little bit counts. I'm sorry, I believe it's four. But uh, it's going three. to be close in the electoral college, most likely, unless we start to see each of the states falling all in the same direction. Um, but that's, you know, that's one step closer, if you will. And I just want to chime in with what Larry said. There's really no basis for halting a count in election after election. Ballots are counted after the polls close with military ballots, ballots that come in from overseas. The other thing I'd say is election laws are set at the state level and different states have different deadlines for how long they allow the ballots to be counted. Some states are two weeks, some are three weeks. And so it's it's hard to see how states, particularly those that have been, uh, you know, taking two weeks to count for many elections, that the Trump administration, you know, could or Trump lawyers could come in and say that that's somehow unconstitutional. I think it would be extraordinary as well. So then and, uh, and just, go ahead. So just to build off those points, you know, it, it's not uncommon, however, for and people should take some of this, not, you know, with, with caution in the sense that it's not uncommon for election lawyers from both sides of the aisle, both political parties, or from both campaigns to be engaged and involved in this process. With that said, you know, we don't let the process play itself out. In the end, though, I suspect, and I could be wrong on this, but I suspect that the bulk of this at this stage uh, in terms of the campaigns will be uh, litigated or the airwaves of cable TV uh, instead of the courts. But we'll see how this all plays out. Uh, yeah. So then, then my next question is, uh, you know, uh, experts seem to be agreed that there isn't a lot of basis to challenge, uh, the counting of mail-in ballots or the validity of mail-in ballots. What's, uh, the Trump endgame on this? If, uh, you know, let's say he loses, what's, what's the endgame? I think that's the million dollar question. Um, there have been a lot, there's been a lot of concern about will the president concede? Um, and I honestly think that the end game doesn't necessarily lie with the president. It lies with Republicans, uh, Republican leaders. If the president does end up losing once all the ballots are counted, but does not concede, it will fall to Republican elected officials, uh, in Congress, in the states, um, to make clear, uh, that you know, the ballots have been counted and this is a legitimate result. So in some ways, if the worst happens in the sense that we have someone who won't concede and it's more likely to be Donald Trump than Joe Biden, um, I think it's it's really going to fall to the party. And, and 
if the candidate himself won't concede. Um, what we saw in 2000 was that Al Gore conceded. And if, that's, if that were not to happen in 2020, in the event that Joe Biden wins, I think the Republican leadership will need to, to, to step in. Well, there was this extraordinary report on the weekend because uh, Joe Biden said something on, on on Trevor Noah's show to the effect of uh, if if Trump loses and doesn't leave, the military will take him out. And and um, top military leaders apparently had a conference call with uh, the top news organizations to reiterate that they were neutral and would have no part. I saw that well, report as well, true. and apparently I, federal I actually, marshals, I think. Sorry, who else is talking there? No, I'll concede. Go ahead. Uh, I, I was ahead. going to say that I, I saw that report as well, and I believe it's the view of the um, military that it would be up to federal marshals. Again, however, I would emphasize if it were to come to that, boy, would it make a big difference if Republican leaders... Uh, stepped in, went to the White House, had conversations um, to prevent something along those lines from happening where, you know, you do have to call in federal marshals. Well, one of the surprises, I mean, one of the things that were predicted was that uh, Trump's top Republican supporters were in trouble, but we've seen Mitch McConnell and Lindsey Graham reelected easily. Uh, So um, what is the likelihood that they would be the ones to tell Trump that he's lost, uh, Matt? Sure. Well, we've already seen, you know, a majority leader, Mitch McConnell, for example, even prior to election day itself, going out on the record and, and discussing the importance of the country, uh, uh, of Republicans accepting and Democrats alike accepting uh, the results of this race. So in the end, I think it's likely to see more and more Republicans championing the importance of states certifying the results and accepting the results as they come in here. So in the end, we already see uh, Leader McConnell and others stepping up prior to the election, uh, the voice, the, the importance of that, and you'll likely see more of that, I suspect, throughout this race. But it is uh, interesting to note that, that, look, it's not just a presidential election on the ballot here, where we saw uh, many Democrats would argue, Republicans would argue, Democrats underperform what many of the predictions were likely to be, but also in key Senate races. You know, there was talks of Senator Graham, going down to defeat in South Carolina. There's still counts, uh, ballots being counted in key Senate races nationwide. It appears that the Republican Party may very well hold the majority in the Senate. So obviously, down-ballot races are being counted as well here. Mm-hmm. Well, um, and I guess if they hold the Senate and, and uh, the uh, Democrats hold the House uh, and there's a Democratic president, we get a bit of gridlock. But I think that's down the road. Uh, Larry Haas, what yes. is going to happen in in the coming days? What do you think? Uh, you know, are we overly worried about the explosive nature of the situation? Well, let me say a few things. First of all, uh, we are all obviously concerned about things that we've seen over the course of the last 24 hours. But I think it would be good to keep in mind that in the midst of a pandemic, we just had an election with record turnout that was done other than a few minor incidents of intimidation with extraordinary patience and peacefulness and all the rest. And people should be proud of that. We were we for all the threats, no violence yesterday. The nation is calm today. And the one person who needs to calm down is the president of the United States. <laughs> okay. So that's number one. 
Number number two, to the point about Republicans, look, I, you know, frankly, without trying to be too partisan here, um, I have been and many Democrats have been very disappointed that Republican leaders in Washington have been all too slow to criticize the president when he makes outrageous statements that seem to undermine our democracy. Having said that, we have already seen some statements from Republicans at the state level uh, from around the country, uh, making clear that all the votes are going to be counted. So you may have pressure, uh, hopefully in Washington, but also among Republicans around the country, who frankly are offended that their you know, electoral processes within their state are being challenged uh, by the president. And then final point, you know, we're talking here about, will the president concede? Well, he won't concede. Just keep in mind, we have a process for the next period of time. Uh, the process is that all the states will certify the results, that there will be an official uh, kind of counting of ballots through the Electoral College, which will take place in the House of Representatives in the coming weeks. And on January 20th, someone is going to be inaugurated, either this president for a second term or a new president for a first term. And if the courts don't step in, and thank God the military has said that it's not going to play a role for either candidate, um, I think that process will ensue. It may be messy this year, but it will ensue and at some point, we will have a new administration, and one person will have all the powers of the presidency, and the other person won't have any of them. That, that sounds like uh, definitely a best-case scenario. So uh, wrapping things up, I, I'm going to give uh, a few seconds each to Melissa and to Matt, and uh, let me ask one more thing. Does the fact that uh, there there are two fairly recently named Supreme Court justices, Donald Trump's picks, is is that going to be a factor in whether any of this gets uh, adjudicated there? I think Donald Trump certainly hopes that it will be a factor, but I also think that the Chief Justice John Roberts, a Republican appointee, uh, really does not want to end up having the Supreme Court play a part in stopping a count or deciding the election. And so we'll, we'll have to see. But I think that the, the, sh- the chance for major litigation that would make it all its, all its way all the way to the Supreme Court uh, is, is somewhat limited for reasons that we've laid out earlier in the conversation. And uh, finally, Matt, what more are we going to know tomorrow at this time? Well, let me know more, hopefully, uh, with the, with respect to the gains in these key uh, targeted ra- uh, races in Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin. But obviously still keeping an eye on what's happening in, in Georgia and North Carolina. Those states have yet to be officially called yet. In addition, looking at Nevada, which appears to be a much closer race out there than many people are predicting. In the end, what we'll want to see is where are the, the votes coming in from, particularly in Pennsylvania and Michigan. Are they coming in places that tend to be Democratic strongholds? Are they coming in from more mail-in ballot voting versus actual in-person uh, ballot voting? Uh, likely more mail-in ballots are coming in here, which may very well favor uh, the Democrat nominee and Vice President Biden. But we'll see. Time will certainly tell on this. We'll just have to be patient and recognize that this is democracy playing out, give the appropriate time to allow the states to certify the results to ensure every vote is counted and counted fairly.
Okay, well, uh, Canadians are, are watching with uh, almost as bated breath as Americans. Uh, it, it's uh, fascinating and important to us as well. Uh, thank you so much for your insights, Matt Tyrrell, Dr. Melissa Miller, and Larry Haas. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Thank you. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. You're listening to an exclusive podcast of Fight Back on Zoomer Radio. Heard weekdays from noon to one. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads, Idea City on the Air, and The Garden Show.